Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to AGP, Amanda Gillum Presents. As always, I am your host. I am Amanda Gillum. And again, as always, AGP is brought to you by the fantastic sponsors of Mark Kidwell, comic creator of 68 from Image Comics, the wonderful group of Hasm Productions that brings you the amazing comic, Peanut Put It In Jelly, Scott Comics with the amazing all-ages comic, Our Supermom, and, of course, Gem City Comic Con coming to you April 2nd and 3rd, 2016 in Dayton, Ohio. And speaking of a convention, with me today is a really good friend of mine, Mr. Brandon Johnson from the ICE convention. Hi, Brandon. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Oh, awesome. So, Brandon, you are the owner and operator of Studio Akumakaze, and you run the Independent Creators Expo and Film Festival, correct? Uh, Yes, I'm co-owner of Studio Akumakaze with Chris Martin and Jamal Ard. And the Independent Creators Expo is my baby. I started that two years ago. Awesome. So now the Independent Creators Expo is going to be this weekend on February 20th. That is Saturday. Tell us a little bit about this amazing show, some of the really cool things that we're going to get to see there. Well, the Independent Creators Expo um, was created out of what I felt was a need to have more of a focus on independent creators at at their core. And when I mean by independent creator, I mean... Um, anyone who makes comics, who um, does art, and who makes music, makes films, and does so with their own properties, with their own characters, their own ideas. Um, My show stems from, I I go to a lot of conventions, and I'm at these shows, and I see a lot of people drawing what what they call fan art, and it's just people drawing Batman and Superman and The Flash, and they're great artists, and all these guys have lots of talent. But I just kind of felt like a lot of the people that did their own books got eclipsed a lot because, of course, a person's going to gravitate towards Batman, not because it's necessarily superior, but because they know it, because it has years of marketing behind it. And I thought it would be nice to make a show that concentrated strictly on people that made their own properties and were marketing their own wares towards an audience that was interested in that. Very similar to what Bob Corby does in Columbus with his Small Press Alternative Comics Expo. Awesome. Sorry, bad phone. (laughs) (laughs) No worries, we're live, so it's all good. It's live, it's all right. Just proves, I mean, this nerdish goes all the way to even her phone. Um, So now one of the really cool things is it's expanded this year. So not only is it the Independent Comic Creators Expo, but it's also the Film Festival, and this is the first year for the Film Festival. Um, Am I correct? Yes, it is. Cool. And basically, I've always wanted to have my hands in a little bit of film and a little bit of music. Uh, We did a comic with Red Hot Rebellion, the local Dayton band, a couple years ago, and that was really fun. And the creative processes for film, music, and comics are all very similar. So this year, I thought, 
um, the film part was a little bit light. We only had a couple people from the film aspect of things. So I thought it'd be neat to maybe have a film festival to bring people in so they could sample work from people from all over. And basically, I reached out to my friend Zoe Judd, uh, who had done a film festival in the past, uh, talked to her about it, and decided that we'd go forward with it and attach it to ICE and make it part of our programming. Very cool. Now, you guys are going to have a few features and a few shorts. Approximately how many shorts and features are you going to have at the show? We have 47 films total, five are features, and the rest are shorts. That's 42 shorts. Nice. And tell us a little bit about some of the shorts and features that you'll be showing at the show. Um, wow. Uh, there's a lot. We have <laughs> a lot of different genres. There's We have um, the, the, the Tell It Your Story block, which is documentaries and uh, true life type things. Um, Laugh a Little, which is our comedies. Um, Drama, 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 but it's the good kind, which is our dramatic pieces. Uh, We also have, I'm cheating and looking at the website right now, Um, (laughs) a a little local flavor, which is all um, Ohio-based filmmakers. We have an animation block, which is animation isn't just for kids because a couple of them aren't necessarily PG. you may want to leave the lights on, and that's the horror block. And superheroes, gods, and aliens, oh my, which is our science fiction superhero fantasy block. Why would you want to leave the lights on during the horror block? Isn't the whole point is to get that atmosphere, make it dark and gritty? And I'm oh, sorry, horror is like my favorite genre ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big horror sci-fi fan, so... And, of course, you'll also be doing the award ceremony where there will be awards presented for Best Feature, Best Short, Audience Choice, and uh, Best of Fest, and that's yes. going to be happening Saturday night. Yes. Uh, the film festival is going to be running until about 11 o'clock, and then following that immediately we're going to uh, – there's a bar right outside the screening rooms, and we're going to um, set up there and present all the awards. Amazing. And, of course, one of the really cool things is that I mean, if you really want to get to see every little feature and everything, you're starting the screenings of everything at 1130 in the morning. Uh, yes. So it's a full – we have, I believe, 16 hours of programming total plus two exhibition films, one by Henrik Kuto and the other by Eric Whiting. Both are local filmmakers. And, of course, um, for to be able to see this, you actually have to show up at the show. And the show's going to be at um, the Crown Plaza downtown in Dayton, Ohio. Um, yes. And the doors open when? Um, they open at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. So that means you don't have to get up uber early in the morning. And, of course, my favorite price ever, other than free, it's only $5 to get into this show. Yes, and that includes admission to the actual Creators Expo, which is down on the mezzanine level which is the first, I think they consider it the first floor, although it's really the second, but it's the mezzanine level. And the film festival is on the top floor next to the bar, and that includes $5, gets you into any of the films you want to see, and the expo as well. Cool. Now, on top of this, one of the things that really started this is you're in the same kind of field that I am with being with a lot of comic book creators, things like that, and you have some amazing creators coming to the show as well. Uh, yes, um, pretty much. I consider it uh, kind of a, a who's who of independent creators in this area. I'm very proud of the people that have come to the show every year. Well, um, let's see. I know you have uh, the Zofer boys, Nate and Lee, coming to the show. Yeah, that's Exofer. They they corrected me on the, the last show we were on. <laughs> 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 Early Exofer, great guys, really awesome work. 
uh, been a fan <laughs> of theirs since I met them at my first show uh, two years ago. And then, of course, you have the great Eric Adams, the only man in history that gets to wear the medal of getting my mom to read a comic book. Oh, well, that's a good one to to read. (laughs) Blackluster World, I consider that to be, you know, Eric Adams himself, I consider him to be pretty much one of the pinnacles of the independent scene. Um, Since I've seen this book, it was one of the most professionally put together, clean, nicely done, just well-rounded comic. And then, of course, you know, like, his mind and he's always you know like he has tons of ideas and he's always brainstorming and he's always very very involved in the independent community um and his new project narrier is it looks to be really awesome oh narrier is going to just catapult it to a whole different level i just i love the fact see to give you a little story my mom is not a nerd not by any means. She doesn't read comics. She doesn't watch The Flash or Arrow or any of the stuff that we get into. My mom is happy with her home and garden network, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I made my mom read Lackluster World. She read the first issue, and she was instantly hooked. And my mom was so excited when he had a Kickstarter on for the graphic novel of it. My mom would sit there and watch it like she was running the Kickstarter and she had money set aside, and she kept moving the money down every time somebody else made a donation because she was going to make sure that that thing was funded regardless. Wow. It was the funniest thing I had ever seen because I'm like, when did you care about a comic? And for me, it's just so funny because every time I'm like, hey, Eric's going to be there. Tell, tell him your mommy says hi, and I love my like Lester World mug. And it's just one of the funniest things I – It just makes me all gooey inside because the last time I saw my mom excited about anything that I enjoyed was back in 1983 when there was the television series V. So, (laughs) which I love as well. Really, I didn't know you were a V fan. I got I got a tattooed on my ankle. Oh, I love V. I mean, the I mean, I I love the new one was okay, but I love the originals. I even like the TV show, which was kind of hokey at times, but it was still it was still fun. Oh, the greatest thing that ever happened to me is when I actually got to meet Jane Badler herself, and I got her to autograph a picture for me, and I thought I was not ever going to be able to live again. I thought I was going to just die right there because I just loved her. When I was a kid, I had, I had such a crush on her when I was a kid. Like she, she was like one of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen when I was like 10 years old. And I was like, wow. She <laughs> is still one of the most beautiful women. She, oh, she I, is in I, my I, top you know, five with Elizabeth Taylor, so yeah. end of story. Oh, that, and back to Eric, and he's actually um, a lot of people don't know this unless they talk to him on the side. But he's a big film buff, and he was one of the people that we selected to be one of the judges for the Ice Film Fest this year as well. So awesome. he's partially responsible for a lot of the films that you're going to be seeing this weekend. I'm just going to be like, you better pick the right one. You better pick the right one. <laughs> it was so hard, Amanda. I mean. We started the festival. I had rented two rooms and thought, well, if we're lucky, we'll get about four to six hours of programming over a course of three hours for two rooms. And maybe we'll get 40 submissions, you know, if we're lucky. We had over 170 submissions. Well, if you remember, I actually showed up at the studio and I got to see some of the um, shorts and stuff. And they were just absolutely amazing. Like, I was sitting there going... And that should be a movie, and that should be a miniseries, and that would make a really cool movie, full-fledged movie there. And I'm just like, these are so awesome. Well, I won't give away which one because I'm not sure how much public knowledge this is, 
but one of the films on our film festival, one of the features, which is, there's only five, has actually been picked up for distribution and will be uh, distributed at theaters starting in April, I believe. I'm not sure how big of a uh, distribution it's getting, but it's official. So nice. That was really that exciting. Is- that is uber exciting. That is congratulations to having a film here that's getting that, and congratulations to the film itself. We'll give you a big shout out and mention your name after the film festival. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was oh. amazed. A few films that trickled in were actually from earlier years, from like 2014, 2015. And I was amazed at how many of these films that were submitted were actually already award winners. They had won Best of Fest at a few shows. And it was the quality was way up there. Like I've judged other film festivals, and sometimes it's rough. But I had no. Well, there was maybe a, about three or four stinkers in the bunch, and out of 170, that's a pretty good statistic. Oh yeah, very much so. Um, in all honesty, I'm excited to see what's going on there because obviously, of everybody that's going to be there, you're going to have this one goofy little podcaster. She's about five foot two and a half, brown hair. Um, people call her Lady Vader for some reason. Um, she runs this podcast called AGP. Um, I heard she's going to be there. But on top of that, you also have other really cool podcasters as well. Um, you have the Uncommon Geek, Troy Copes. He has an amazing podcast. He's going to be there. Yep. And you also have my buddies, Richard and Michael, Richard Cratterjohn and Michael Broth from my newest, yeah, here's the news, the newest member of the sponsors to AGP at the Underground Video Network. And I love those guys. They've been avid supporters of the studio since we met them back in, I believe it was 2009. And Richard's always been a great help. He's actually going to be helping out this weekend a little bit, filming some stuff at the show and doing his regular runaround. Yeah, but they've been doing podcasting. These their video podcasts for like 15 years, which is really amazing because most podcasts like just come and go, but to have someone like them last 15 years and doing video, not just the audio, but the video is a, an achievement all on their own. Well, Richard's cutting edge. He's always been right there on the cusp of things and he's never been really acknowledged for it, but he's constantly you know, trying to update his, you know, the, his presentation, trying to make sure to stay on top of what's going on, and always trying to have relevant content. And when you're releasing as much content as he has, and it's all good, you know, it's always, you know, like covering recent movies, comics, you know, just different issues in pop culture and science fiction and fiction in general. Uh, he's done a really good job, especially 15 years is a long time for anything media-driven. Very much so. And then, of course, you have the people that you recorded with last week, Gem City Podcast. Yep. Um, just actually just met Izzy the day he came by, and, and that was a lot of fun. Um, like, I, I kind of knew what to expect because he has a lot of common friends. So I was like, oh, I know he's, he's a nice guy. But it was really, really neat to actually kind of, like, you know, chat with him for the first time on the podcast and kind of go over who we both knew and like you know, other people that I didn't even realize that we that connected us. You know, it's like it's a very small world in this community. I can tell you that right now. It's not only is it a small world, but it's a very close knit family. Yes. One of, one of the things that people don't understand is we are a family. Um, we all have a passion and a love for what we do. And once, once you're in this family, there's no leaving this family. <laughs> Oh, no. 
And even, I mean, and of course you're not going to get along with everybody, but everybody has a mutual respect and they have the mutual admiration for other people's work. And everybody, even regardless, we always support one another because especially those of us who do comics and like go to these shows all the time, like that's another reason I started ICE is because it's kind of an excuse for me to get together with all my, all my buddies, you know, like have a show where everybody can show up, we can hang out, have fun, catch up. We see each other two or three times a year sometimes. That's it. So might as well make it count. I like how you get to see them like two or three times a year, and I'm like, yeah, I see them about 22 weekends out of the year. Yeah. So, no, it's like family. <laughs> well, some of you are luckier than others. Like, I see a lot of the local guys a lot, but some of the guys from like Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky, you know, I get to see them at select shows. Like the, you know, um, like John Wilson, I see him maybe three or four times a year, depending on how much he's – when he was running around with um. I like when they were doing comic related, I saw him a lot more often because they did a lot more shows. But now, you know, I don't see him as much since he's not doing the podcast route. Well, yeah, he doesn't have the podcast anymore. And of course, he's not running Gem City anymore because that got sold last year from him and Chuck to um, Jared from Lexington Toy Comic Expo. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's still kicking it. He still has his Calvaclade. And he's also back into working on his comics with Last Ember Press. Yep, with Brant Fowler and uh, Lisa Moore, which is a great group to be associated with. They do really nice stuff. And John's always and then, been a really good writer. I'm glad he actually has a crew to work with and get some constant material. Um, I plan on working with John on something soon because I have a couple artists that are right up his alley. So. Oh, yeah. It's just, and I think it was it was time. He wanted to focus more on his comics, and it was the perfect time to let go of the stuff that was very time-consuming so he could focus on the things that he really wanted to focus on. And I think it was a really good choice for him to make the decisions that he did. Oh, I agree. Um, other people that you have coming to the show, you have Dustin Carson. I love mm-hmm. his work. I just oh, love Dustin's his work. Oh, Dustin's awesome. His, the my greatest the greatest thing he ever did was when he did all those issues. Seriously, I had to buy every issue of his comic just so I could have that really cool mural of every character all in a row, and that was brilliantly done. Of course, uh-huh. then I also just bought the graphic novel so I could read the entire thing at once. Yeah, I met him in Chicago uh, at Wizard World, and we we're talking, and we got along really well, and we we're just chatting back and forth. And I asked him, I was like, "Where are you from?" He's like, "Ohio," and I'm like, "No way." So then we started bonding over being from the same state, and then I got a, we traded comics, and I have the one of the original issues of No Gods issue one when there was only issue one. And there was only issue one. <laughs> it's all black with white writing on the front that says No Gods Dustin Carson. That's it, and it's sitting prominently on our shelf in the other room, and it's. Like, that's one of the little things. I'm like, I will always remember this conversation in this book because the next time I saw him was a year later at Jim City, which was his first Jim City. And he had the nice mural, the black and white cover version, which was really cool. That yeah, Dustin, fir- we've worked with him many, many times. That first setup in No Gods where you're reading it and you're watching that family and then you flip the page and this is and i'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who's not read no gods i highly recommend um it's not rated my little pony friendship as magic though guys so i'm just warning you this right now it's almost rated deadpool so do be careful with it but just that look on your face that you get when you're like what the um okay it's just this huge shocker because that's not what you're expecting when you flip over to that page to the next panel hey look it's such a such a day and you're just like 
holy shnikes. Oh, yeah. That was brilliant. Um, some of the other people that you have coming to the show, you have Todd Beistel, who's coming to the show from the horror show. He he is so amazing with his artwork. He is just brilliant. Put a give him something to color or draw, and you will have a piece of magnificent work in your hand. Oh, agreed. And and such a nice guy too. I mean, it's like it's really weird that as many creative people as you and I deal with on a regular basis, that ego doesn't come into play as much as you would expect. You know, like everybody's confident, but it's not like they're jerks. It's not like they're aloof about anything. They're just very giving, very sociable, and it's just, that, that's why I love the community that we're in. Oh, I'll, I'll be honest. Everybody that I know, everyone that I consider my family slash friends within this community are very down-to-earth. They, they have the right to say, hey, I'm great, and they don't. They're very humble in their work, and that's really cool, and it's a great um, characteristic that I like of everybody that I know. Um, other people that you have coming, you also have Tim Fuller. Mm-hmm. I love Zombie March. I love that oh, comic. That's such a good comic. <laughs> you I also met have him Justin. At my first show. You met him at your first show? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I passed him at Space, I believe, before, but we had never actually met and got to talk. But my show, he actually got a table at the first ice, and we actually got to chat a little bit. And he's such a funny guy. I'll be honest, I. I can't even remember what most people I met probably at Gem City Comic Con um, two years ago. But in all honesty, I couldn't tell you who I met where and who I didn't meet. Because some people I met for the first time in 2012 just as a fan when I went to the first show in Cincinnati after I had moved back up here to Ohio from living in Florida for 15 years. And we instantly clicked and got along and as I was progressing and bringing all of my cosplaying and podcasting stuff from the South back up to the North, everything just kind of fell into place. But I'm pretty sure I met Tim through the common mutual friends of Sean Forney, uh, Tina and Rodney Fike and uh, Scott Bachman. I think that's where I met him, but I can't be sure. <laughs> it's all a blur. It's all a blur. When you st- when you stop going to one convention a year and start going to 22 conventions in a year, it all becomes a blur sometimes. <laughs> oh, my, record is, my record is 36, and I set up at over 25 of those, and that was just it's the rock star lifestyle. You wake up and you you don't remember what state you're in, you know. <laughs> I'm trying like not Thursday to break. To I'm trying not to break my sponsors. Hey guys, I'm going here. Crap, there's more money. You you picked sponsorship. My bad. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you also have the author E. E. Martin. Her books are brilliant. Have you had an opportunity to read them? No, I have not, and I've never met her. Um, she was one of the new exhibitors this year, and I'm really excited to actually meet her in person. I've I looked over her all of her bio information, everything. And I'm like, wow! So, definitely piqued my interest. I got to meet her last year at Gem City. She, um, my friend Mark Kidwell, introduced me to her because they're friends, and she gave me um, two copies of her books to read. And so I highly recommend stopping over at her table and getting a book, or maybe you can win one in the in the next uh, raffle that we're doing in AGP because we will be giving away two of her books. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, also on top of that, you have Justin Watson, Allison Dixon, uh, Scott Simmons. You just have a huge list of amazing creators. 
Yeah, the block. Just, they call themselves the Block of Ice. That's their little. <laughs> that was their gimmick last year, and it went over really well. And I thought it was very, very, um, one of those neat little things that Justin Watson. I'm not sure if he he came up with it or not, but it's it's kind of felt like one of his ideas. That it really does sound like him. <laughs> yeah, but he. And I love him a, to pieces. He's a great supporter of all the independent stuff. He's always been really on top of like ice from the beginning. Uh, he's always been very supportive of Jim City and. Like, uh, when I met him, he was, like, pretty much doing, like, all the commercials and the artwork and things like that for Gem City, which I was like, oh, that's really cool. And, of course, Gem City will be having a presence there. They're also going to be an exhibitor, and they happen to be one of the conventions that you guys uh, collaborate with a lot, uh, as yeah, well Gym as City. House Creative Comics. Yeah, Jesse from Gem City actually is going to be setting up. He's the exclu- exclusive comic vendor at the show. Um, he's going to be selling independent comics, like, basically anything except Marvel and DC. And he's also a sponsor of uh, ICE as well. Um, it's him, Bob Corby, um, some of the staff from KabokaCon, which is an anime con that's local in October. Um, of course, John will be there representing Cavalcade of Comics and Last Ember. And uh, representatives from MatsuriCon, which is a Columbus com- anime convention in August. And then, of course, you have Allison M. Dixon, another fantastic author that you have coming to the show, Jason Young. Uh, Mike Eshelman. Uh, hey, look, Studio Akumakazi is going to be there. How's that? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a really great lineup, which is going to be perfect for anybody who wants to go to a more, not the big, high-profile celebrity-type conventions, but really wants to be able to mingle with the creators themselves. And that's what makes shows like this amazing. Yeah, we also, uh, I've opened things up a little bit more. We have a few people that do, like, crafts and things like that, handmade items. Um, although I don't allow fan art, mass-produced fan art, I do allow some handmade items. If it took you an hour or two to make the thing and it's an, the individual thing is sellable, then I allow that. Um, like Jennifer's Dolls, um, also Loading Crew Crafts is going to be there as well. I just thought it'd be kind of fun to have a little bit more of a mixture of people because I don't want people to feel like this is a comic show. A lot of people refer to it as one, but this is a creator show. If you That's why it's an expo. Yes. If you if you celebrate your fandom in any way and you create your own thing based in a genre or based in a certain type of fandom, that you're that's the kind of people I want at the show. You know, music, film, comics, crafts, you know, painters, you know, across the board. I'm going to go get Richard, and we're going to go get um, our video that we did for Jim City. <laughs> here, here, let's put this in the film festival. <laughs> hey, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one thing I've never got to do. I mean, I've done everything. I've produced music. I've, you know, I have a convention now. I have the studio, you know, studio Kamikaze. I've never actually worked on or collaborated with anyone on like a short film or an actual film and that got really bugs me so that's that's on my like my bucket list for the next year or two you're you you'll love this story so we were we were working on doing a small commercial for uh gem city and um mike michael Bross from uvn goes okay here's the script and he's like make sure you pass it out to everybody and i read it once <laughs> We get to the place that we're recorded, and he goes, okay, Amanda, so did you give everybody the scripts? And I'm like, no, I think I forgot to do that. All right, well, did you memorize the script? Oh, I was supposed to memorize that? No, that's all right. We'll, we'll just wing it. And the look on his and Richard's face was priceless. Absolutely. <laughs> like, their jaws hit the floor and went, 
Oh, crap. Amanda's going to ad-lib stuff again. Oh, no. <laughs> doesn't sound all bad. No, we did it in two takes. So it was actually really easy. <laughs> You're a pretty good ad-libber, I've noticed. Uh, I'm okay. I, I'm, I can talk. I'm very fluent in talking. It's a trait that my mom wishes I didn't have. <laughs> now, with other things that are going on, since it is like the art and music and film, what do you got music-wise going on? Music-wise is probably the most anemic of everything this year. I had a live band set up um, that was going to play all day, but since we had to switch venues, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, I will not be able to have the live music element this year that I wanted. Uh, Red Hot Rebellion will be there, though, promoting their new book coming out soon with Casey Anderson called Vikings vs. Unicorns and also selling some of the comics that we actually um, produced with them, the Red Hot Rebellion Mission comic. Cool. So so we have the exhibitors, we have the film festival, we have a little bit of music. Obviously with the exhibitors comes comics and art. What other things are going on at the convention? Oh, um, there is a, a card game called Galatoon that's going to be um, – the creator of that is going. Adam is going to be there, and he's going to be doing demos of his game as well. It's a really neat looking. I've not gotten to play yet, um, but it looks really neat. It's um, the cards are non-traditional size. They're more in line with like a tarot card size, and they have hmm. beautiful artwork on them. And it's a fantasy. It's it, it appealed to me, and I'm not really a fan of the card games because it seemed simple enough to be interesting, but not too complex to kind of turn you away and just get confused. It was right, it kind of rode that line. And the story was really neat, very science fiction, space opera-esque. And it kind of, you know, piqued my interest to the point where I'm going to start looking into it more. And like, because we're actually going to be doing a demo here at the studio the weekend after ICE. And I'm probably going to sit down on one of the um, the demos at the show as well. So he'll have that. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that's a little bit different this year. Uh, the film festival, of course, the awards ceremony. Um, we have Baron Von Porkchop, who has his own TV show. He's a horror host. He'll be there um, selling some of his DVDs and things like that. Uh, we also have Rich Talent, who is a local a musician. Um, he does primarily rap and R&B, and he's also an artist. Uh, he's just an all-around. You'll love him. I don't think you've met him yet. He's no, I have not. All-around. He's an all-around personality. Um, if you don't like him, that just means that you need, you just can't take all the awesomeness at once. <laughs> uh, you I don't him, like him. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, not, there's nothing wrong with you. Some people just can't deal with that level of intensity. He's just he's all over the place, and he's just a ball of okay, energy. Okay, wait. So you're going to put a ball of energy that's intense in the same room with me, and oh, you're yeah. expecting and, not to explode. And I didn't think of it before now, but I think I'm going to mix that up nice and see what happens because it, that should be fun. Um, okay, come to I Squeak and Flood. Why? <laughs> uh, do we need a mic system? No, we have these two. It's all right. They'll take care of everything. <laughs> well, you kept telling me that you have this amazing story that you want to tell me, and I am just dying to hear the story that you've just been itching to tell me since, like, this past weekend. Okay. Well, it's not really a – I'm itching to tell you. It's just I, I want to vent it a little bit and let people know. Um, as of the 13th of this month, the event was supposed to be at the Ramada Plaza in Dayton. Uh, I had started talks with them in March of last year. Um, 
due to the fact that Wright State was not giving me, they would not give me a date far enough in advance for me to promote the show properly. And they also had limitations on, you know, the music and the film rooms and things. I just, I wanted to expand and be able to do more. So I approached Ramada. They were under new management. They were looking to do something to kind of, you know, promote their hotel, get some good press, et cetera. So we worked out a deal, had, you know, everything set up. They gave me a nice price gave me a nice setup on all the rooms, and it was all good as of April 28th. February 13th of this year, um, this past Saturday, I get a call from their corporate telling me that their hotel had shut down, completely shut down. No events, no no one at all. So no employees there. It is done. No lights on. And telling me basically that my show could not happen there because there was to be nobody there. So from Saturday afternoon until yesterday, I was basically shuffling looking for a new venue for the show. Luckily, um, the nice people at Primetime Party Rental, who I had actually rented some tables from for the uh, previous location, had um, Andrea there actually steered me in the direction of the Crown Plaza Hotel, where I spoke to Ashley Schmidt, the person in charge of their events, and we came to a deal that was very good and actually accommodated the entire show, including the film festival, which is what I was going for. Um, of course, as you can understand, when you have a week to find a venue, it, it's kind of scary. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I had no idea. I mean, luckily, none of the people in my circle that were – no no one panicked, which makes me feel really good because I don't know if I could have handled someone else panicking because in my head, all the bad things were happening. But pretty much, we're going to be, we're now going to be at the Crown Plaza in downtown Dayton, uh, which is ironically right across the street from the convention center where Jim City is going to be. So I'm, it seems like I, the, my destiny is linked with Jim City Comic Con one way or the other. <laughs> um, so, cause That's not I, a bad thing. Uh, no, not at all. Jesse, actually, we had, I discussed doing ICE with him before I even started the process because I figured who better to ask, you know, like, you know, who should I talk to? What do you think? So he actually steered me in the direction of the student union for the first ICE. So it only makes sense that everything came full circle and now we're both in the same area again. So I'm really excited about the new location. Uh, the Crown Plaza is a really, really nice hotel. Um, those are people familiar with downtown it seems a little bit intimidating because there's all the parking garages and some people don't like that. However, for those of you listening, um, the parking will be free. You just need to get your parking validated at the entry table. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm just hiccuped. Yay, and, free parking! Uh, uh, yeah, free parking. Um, and I made sure of that because that was one of the main issues I had is I didn't want everybody to be paying for parking on the show. Even though the show's cheap, I want it to be really cheap. I want people to meet the creators. I want people to actually show up at the door and see everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the nice things, you know, um, being able to have free parking, a low cost of only $5, that's also a great thing for your creators as well because that means people have a little bit of extra cash to be able to go buy the creations that they created. Um, I'm really proud of the fact that most of the creators, actually just about all the creators, have been back at least twice. And all of them seem to do well, and none of them complain. 
Um, I keep the table cost as low as I can, and I keep the entry cost as low as I can because I want it to be, I want everybody to be able to kind of, you know, like, I'll make my money because the show is going to do what it's supposed to. It's going to bring people in, and it's going to give people the chance to mingle with creators that are going to be selling themselves. And you can't get easier than selling yourself. No. You know, it, might be hard, it might be hard to sell Batman, but it's not hard to sell yourself. No, it's not. Uh, you just have the confidence in the work that you do, and trust me, I've seen a lot of these creators' work. They are absolutely fabulous. If you if you want some hints and tips, find me, and I'll be like, and that one there, and that one there, and that one there, and that one everywhere. Well, I guess you don't need to find me. I just told you who to go see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but pretty much that whole fiasco with the uh, the venue was very stressful. But I was excited to get on here and let everybody know that everything was good and there was. Uh, there's a slight hiccup in everything, but all is well. And the new location is actually an upgrade from the last because even though it isn't is uh, it's not as open as the other one was, the way that it's set up for the film festival, there's a bar right outside the film festival. So and that's where the party will be after the film festival too for the award <laughs> ceremony. And the parking garage attaches right to the um, walkway across. I believe it's across Jefferson. And that leads right into the area where the actual show is. So it's very easy to find. And we'll have signs posted up so everybody can find it okay. <laughs> Just find the bar. That's where Just everybody's going to be. Well, the, the bar. The bar is on the top floor. But, uh, and I'm sure they'll appreciate it. If you guys spend a lot of money at the bar, they'll like me. And they'll give me a good price next year, too, hopefully. <laughs> He didn't say open bar. He just said bar. That's why he said pay them. <laughs> yes. now, the bar, we're not affiliated with the bar, but it's there. So feel free to go and partake if you're the Trust right me. age. If you're the right age. <laughs> Manda likes the bar, so uh, Manda will take margaritas with extra salt around the rim with a lemon instead of a lime. Thank you. <laughs> so... Even though ICE is going on, you're more than just a convention. You have Studio Akumakazi that you work on, and I'd like to take a moment to talk a little bit about that. Okay. So tell everybody a little bit about Studio Akumakazi and what they do. Uh, well, Studio Akumakazi is a publishing company, basically. Um, we do comics. We do a little bit of graphic design. Uh, it's made up of Jamal Ard, myself, and Chris Martin are the founding members. Uh, we've also added on a few new people recently, um, Alexandra Dealey and Melanie Collins, for instance. Um, they're working on a couple comics right now. Um, we went on hiatus for about two and a half years. Um, we have a comic called Scrap that came out back in 2008, and we had some issues where the main artist for the comic, he's a penciler. He doesn't color. He doesn't really ink. His He was, specializes in pencil work. And I like people to do what they're comfortable with, to do what they're good at and what they like to do. So I was just kind of waiting for that perfect storm to find a, some artists to work with that kind of complemented his style but didn't dumb down his work. And I finally found that in Alexandra, who's become our pretty much full-time inker, part-time colorist, and also writer. And I'll be publishing a couple of her books as well, um, one of which is called Author Society, which is a dystopian future with anthropomorphic characters. Um, it's basically like crime, suspense, uh, drama, um, just you know, secret organization in the future kind of thing. Uh, a little bit of cyber stuff going on in there too. 
Um, and Melanie is the colorist on that, and Alex is a penciler and inker on that. And we're also going to be finishing out um, scrap. Um, we have issue one through five finished, and issue six is has gone to color. So we sh we're hoping to have a trade of that out this year. And we also have a couple other projects that we'll be releasing at Gym City and Free Comic Book Day. Nice. Cool. I was about to say, if you need a colorist, I just colored a My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Coloring, but my Crayola crayons, I got that far into coloring. Uh, what? Like that. Uh, I'm crayon coloring, man. I was like, when I think about that, I'm like, I could never stay inside the lines. I'm like that guy. So. No, here's the trick on staying inside the line. You take your crayon and then you trace the line and then you're when you're coloring it kind of hits the crayon mark that you've already made and so you stay inside the line that's how i color very be careful everybody knows um, if you tell me you have a talent i'll put you to work <laughs> ask anybody sure, at the show um... that's that's why they're setting up they know that otherwise i'll blackmail them into working on a project with me oh let's see uh sure so i have free time from about two to three in the morning all right let's go um <laughs> sounds like me uh, although after the past four days, like today has been a nice wind down day. Like I've never. You get a wind been... down day. It's the week of the show, and you get a wind down day. How do you? That's what. That's what I mean. Like the last three days was so hectic and crazy. I don't know. I'm like, wow. So I'm all the things I had to procrastinate on. I'm like, woo! I can actually sit and work on stuff that I need to work on instead of looking for a venue that I shouldn't even need to look for. I felt oh. I'm. The and same thing happened. You, when you were telling that story, I totally felt you because all I saw was this vision in my head of everybody like running around going, ah! And I'm going, oh, I'm so glad I'm not you. <laughs> uh, Zoe, I, when I texted her and told her, she's like, okay, have you got this? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay. And that's it. That was the text. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I, you know, I would have felt bad if I wouldn't have come through because I'm like, well, she has faith in me, so that's all good. And, you know. <laughs> And Zoe's, that's why it's so good to work with her. She's been so good. I mean, like, if anybody made this film festival happen, it's her. Um, I put my two cents in here and there and kind of made, like, I kind of made sure that the moving parts could move, but she made sure that everything flowed. She took care of the submissions. She took care of a lot of the, getting the equipment. Uh, it's, I'm not a person who gives up responsibility easily or trusts other people with responsibility, especially for things that I'm, like attached to in a professional manner and she just it was flawless so like so good those of job you Zoe yeah She's so those that. of you who enjoyed the film festival uh, thank her and she'll be the one running around like a crazy person that day along with me so well I give you guys props because I had the wonderful endeavor of putting a convention on once I did it once now I will support you all. I will help you all in anything that you want. But I'm putting in one together ever again. No, thank you. <laughs> no. I think I'm Where a masochist. Um, every year about probably tomorrow, I'll really start feeling the I don't really want to do this ever again feeling. And then the day of, it goes away. Because I have so much fun at the shows, whether they're mine or anybody else's. It's just it kind of all goes away and it's, you know, the end justifies the means. And, and Jesse will probably tell you the same thing. I'm, I've seen Jesse run around like a crazy person before too, but at the end of the day, he's smiling, shaking hands, happy and getting ready for the next year. And that's that's supposed to be Bob Corby is the same way. Like it's for some reason we just, we, 
we don't enjoy the stress, but we enjoy the end product so much that we're willing to deal with the stress to get to that that little shiny thing in the end. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing because of what you're saying. You know, Jesse, he's just like running. I, I'm, I'm not, I will never forget last year. He's like, the elevator's taking too long. And so he ran down the stairs and he skipped like five steps per stride. He was, he was, <laughs> such a, he was just gone. I'm like, yeah, I'll catch you tomorrow. I'm short and fat and I don't move that fast by any means. I'll, I'll wait for the elevator. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That That sounds like him. <laughs> <laughs> so I was all, I, that's, I didn't mean to like laugh while you were trying to tell your story. That's just, oh, that's fine. I'm I'm just one of these people. As soon as you start saying something, like these pictures pop in my head, and sometimes they're laughable, sometimes they're honest, and sometimes they're just weird. <laughs> <laughs> so with everything going on, um, where can people find out information about both Studio Akumakazi and the Ice? Uh, well, they can go to akumakaze.com, and that redirects to our Facebook right now. Uh, we usually update uh, about once a month, depending. And when we have something going on, we always update on there. Um, and we, you can also find us at um, for information about ICE at ice.studioakumakaze.com. Uh, akumakaze is spelled A-K-U-M-A-K-A-Z-E. Um, you can also type in a keyword Akumakaze on Google and find this really easy as well. There's not a whole lot of Akumakazes out there. I'm and sure there isn't. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's actually a couple imposters, but, you know, we kind of shut them down, cease and desist. Uh, <laughs> and you guys are on Twitter too, right? Uh, yes, we and I'm I'm guilty of not utilizing Twitter to its fullest. However, I'm trying to get better. Um, it's just really hard for me. I'm not a real smartphone person, so... I, I have to acclimate myself to the the idea of telling people what I'm doing or what the studio is doing and thinking that they care. Uh, my, uh, I am on Twitter regularly now, mainly because of the social networking aspect of Kickstarter, and I've been supporting a lot of Kickstarters. Ironically, it took other people's projects to get me familiar with and comfortable with Twitter. So for all the Kickstarters I've supported in the last five months, um, you're welcome for the money, and thank you for the experience. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as I say, I know somebody who knows a little bit about social media. You might want to talk to her. She she learned Twitter by being on bed rest for a year, and now she's pretty decent at it. If she's That's running about, talking about. <laughs> I, I hear she runs at least four Twitter accounts and four Facebook accounts and two Instagram accounts now. So, oh, I want to talk to her, little girl. <laughs> Little, little, uh, hey, don't be making fun of my height. <laughs> <laughs> hey. And girl, I think I'm older than you. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't think so, I, but we 40. won't say that on the air. Uh, oh, I'll I say it. I'm 40. I got you. Oh, do you? I got you by three, yep. Oh, just, by three, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just, You're just, so because old. I act, just because I act 12 doesn't mean that I am. <laughs> Oh, you're giving yourself credit for 12? Because I was going to go about three and a half, but all right, I'll give you 12 for now. <laughs> so what what is your favorite thing, other than being able to hang out with your friends, that you love most about putting this show together? Oh, the networking aspect of it. Um, I get an excuse to, um, like, the people that approach me that are new exhibitors, a lot of them, like, um, you know, the author we talked about earlier, um, it's, it bothers me. Her, her name was Erica, but she goes by E.E. E. Smith. But um, 
I get to meet new people. I have at least eight or nine people I've never met at my show this year. And I get to go up and talk to them and kind of network with them and kind of figure out exactly what makes them tick and why they are doing what they do and familiarize myself with what they're putting out there. Um, also, this gave me a chance this year especially, gave me a chance to work with Zoe, who I hadn't really connected with a lot since we went to school together back in 2006, and I helped her with her film festival. So it was really fun to kind of have her around and like kind of bounce ideas back and forth. And, of course, there's always the chance to – you know, get out there and speak to podcasts like yourself and Gym City Podcast and, and Troy, you know, the Uncommon Geek, and actually, you know, spread the brand a little bit. Um, I'm not real big on, you know, like throwing a lot of social media stuff out there, so it's kind of nice to throw the Kamikaze name out and let people maybe pique their curiosity and get them to look for us online and see if they like our stuff. And the, cool. the expo is kind of an unselfish way for me to do all those things and also get a lot out of it and give a little bit back at the same time. Well, that is absolutely great. So one of the really cool things about AGP is we like to get to know the people on the show a little bit more. So when you are not trying to run the studio and a film festival and a convention and trying to learn how to use Twitter other than backing Kickstarters, (laughs) what do you like to do for fun? I am a huge anime nerd. Um, I love anime shows. I've been watching anime since I was about 12. Um, big movie buff, um, constantly looking for, um, you know, like, uh, you know, big budget stuff and independent stuff. If it's good, I like it. Um, huge sci-fi nerd. And if it has time travel, count me in twice. Um, <laughs> that's kind of my thing. Like, anything time travel, I'll give it a try. Even the worst ones have a little bit of merit. If you, if you get my ideas going, like, that's how I come up with ideas. I watch something, it inspires me, and then I kind of sit with my little notepad and write things down. Um, love music. Um, don't get into it as much as I used to because that's a full-time job to me. When, you know, like, so I have the certain things I love, certain things I follow. There's a particular musician named Tricky who I follow religiously. Um, there's you know, the band Faith No More. I follow them religiously. But aside from them, and Tor Gamus, I love Tor Gamus. Those three I follow pretty much whatever they do. And every once in a while I'll pick up a new band here and there. But I can't focus as much on that with everything else going on in my life. Ah. Now, when I was at the studio, you had something that just made me drool all over myself. You have three really killer Godzilla posters. Are you a Godzilla fanatic, or is that one of oh, your teams? I am a huge Godzilla fanatic. I've <laughs> watched Godzilla since I was about three years old. Um, they used to have Godzilla on Sundays on, I believe it was Channel 22, and they would have a, like a Godzilla movie almost every week. And I would watch those, and I just loved them. I would make them out of clay, make the creatures out of clay, and make them fight. And I <laughs> kind of carried that into, you know, high school, and carried it into college, and carried it with me all the way to now. And yeah, Godzilla is one of the things I've always been a fan of. I will never outgrow Godzilla. So, other than Godzilla himself, who would you say would be your favorite monster from the series? Um. Oh wow. Um, yeah, I good love- question. I love Biollante. Nice. The idea, the idea of a genetically manipulated Rose Godzilla cosmic, you know, energy hybrid is just so sci-fi and just over the top. How can you not like it? It's Godzilla versus a mutated Rose, and it looks neat. And that I thought that film started a trend, and especially the High Sci series. I just those six films in a row, like Biollante and Mothra, and like those and 
particular just kind of upped the actual quality of the franchise because those weren't as tongue-in-cheek as some of the things that came out in the 70s that I still love, but they had they felt more sci-fi, they were a little bit more serious, they weren't as leaning towards kids, so it was much more enjoyable as an adult as well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've always had a soft spot for Godzilla, but, you know, like, the, the when they get a little more serious and they give you a little bit of drama along with some of the coolness of the monsters and the monster designs, I mean, how can you not like the designs? I'm going to be honest, I'm a, ga- I'm a Gamera fan. Gamera? Gamera! Really? Yes, I won't hold I that against you. I've never been a hey. I've never been a fan of the, the the turtle guy, but you know. Hey, he's the hey. defender of Tokyo. Godzilla's the destroyer. I I own I I own the movies, so I, I I'm not a hater. I love my man in suit movies, and you know I totally respect Gamera for the other at that end of the spectrum. It just when I found Gamera, I was actually probably 17 or 18. And you know, um, when you're going through that phase, it's, it's not as – if I would have found him as a kid, I would have probably loved him. And Godzilla, I remember, like, how it felt to sit in, at my little table in front of my television in my bedroom watching Godzilla movies, sometimes in black and white because that's how old I am. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, and, I know. And the music from Godzilla, I mean, that's just that dun, 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 that's just such a great, like, overall thing because I'm a huge Harryhausen fan too, Ray oh, Harryhausen God. movies. I oh, came yes. up with those. Those and Godzilla. That's that's what formed my imagination. That's what took me. You know, I miss stop motion. That this is such a, a lost art. And whenever I see it in modern stuff, it just I, I get nice and I get goosebumps because that stuff is just so awesome to me. It was a major breakthrough back in its day, and Harryhausen is brilliant. And one of my favorite stop motion movies ever that have a lot of it in it would have to be Clash of the Titans. Oh, Clash of the Titans is amazing. Um Island is my favorite Harryhausen movie, I think. That one they got the like a giant crab and a I guess we should like clarify when we I think we should clarify when we say Clash of the Titans, we are talking classic, not that remake crap that oh, was put out. <laughs> thank you for clarifying. I didn't even I don't even I erased that out of my brain. I, I watched that and how they turned and this is a whole this is a whole podcast in and of itself. How did they turn the creepiest scene from a stop-motion movie into a hokey video game-looking scene in a modern special effects movie? The the Medusa scene looked so video gamey, and it wasn't scary at all. Whereas, when you look at the old Clash of the Titans, she was creepy. She was a scary, yeah, scary-looking thing, you know. And she it was, was so terrifying. Just, and as a Absolutely. kid, when you see that. Aside from those uh, the the big black monsters from um, the Dark Crystal, the big beetle things, those oh scared me as a kid too. Yeah. Oh, I love the Dark Crystal. Even though I do have to admit, okay, if someone does it right and revamped the Dark Crystal, it could be absolutely amazing in, with to the technology that we have today. If if because, they use real stuff and use CG to clean it up, that would be great. It, yeah. Yes. CG should be used to enhance and use some really beautiful things in the background. That's what it should be used for. Because I'll be honest, watching the Dark Crystals, even the Gelflings kind of scared me. Like, the only thing that didn't scare me was Fizzgig. Like, Augur was really creepy. The Gelflings oh, yeah. were creepy. Let, let's not even get into the Skeptskis. <laughs> oh, even yeah. Though like... I have a soft spot for the Chamberlain. I always have. I always will. The Chamberlain's <laughs> my dude. But Fizzgig... 
man, I wanted a dog like that so bad. <laughs> I'm like, can I have one that has a flip top head? Because that was really cool. That, that, I'm like, dude, that reminds yeah. me of E.T. when he goes screaming through the room at Drew Barrymore. <laughs> yeah, we won't and we won't talk about the the remastered ET that kind of just took it to the wrong direction as well. Okay, no, no, you mentioned it. You mentioned it. Okay, ET as a kid. Okay, you're growing up. You go ET. It's a child's movie, and then when you watch it again as an adult, it's like this is not a child's movie for criminy's sakes. They say. Uh, and if any younglings are listening, you might want to cover the ears. Elliot yells the word penis breath for criminy's sakes. You're just like, <laughs> oh, wait, I did not catch that when I was like four. But I remember the first time I saw E.T., it scared me. Like, he scared the living – like, that whole movie until he is in Elliot's bedroom just scared the bejesus out of me. Like, I'm like, uh-uh, E.T. did it, and he's evil. And, and, then, and he and he makes you so sad when you think that he's like dying, and that like that's so heart wrenching when you're a kid, especially like what? oh. As a kid, as a kid, I am 40 years old, and I will still watch the original, oh, yeah. and I will cry when he dies, and then I cry when he comes back, and then I cry when he says, "I'll be right here." I'm like, dude, stop with the emotional roller coaster. I can't get myself back together. Knock it off. Versus like my dad and my uncle who laughed in the scene where he was dying in the little creek. They could be slightly um, desensitized. But slightly. then I I purchased E.T. because at the time I only had it on VHS. And I was like, you know, I really want it on DVD. You know, I don't want to break my VCR and I need it for my Star Wars because they won't give me what I want with Star Wars. So all I have is my VHSs because I no longer have a laser disc. So those laser discs, laser disc player, so those laser discs are just sitting there collecting dust right now. And... So I went, I bought the DVD, I popped it in, and within the first five minutes of this movie, I'm like, what is this? Especially the scene with the man with the keys, he turns around, and that scene, originally, you hear E.T. scream, and all you see is this red light flowing through the forest. And even though you get silhouettes of what they are, there's still this creepiness about it. And then they did this CGI thing where it looks like some kangaroo on crack jumping through the forest, and I'm just like, what is this, and where's the coolness of how E.T. looked like he was really there. And then they put in the CGI E.T., and it was just like, oh, no. Just stop, please. And then, of course, everybody's biggest thing was, of course, they took the guns out and put in the walkie-talkies. I'm like, yeah, um, there's nothing with making that politically correct that makes any sense because there's nobody from the age of four and up who does not realize, oh, if there's an alien, the government's going to come. They're not going to attack you with walkie-talkies. Exactly, and I just there's something that they take away from when they dumb things down too much. They take away Jeopardy, and when you take Jeopardy away, that takes suspense away because if you don't feel like right. a character's in danger, and I can go all day on this when it comes to writing and when it comes to storytelling in general, and that a lot of movies you don't feel danger. The reason the Lord of the Rings trilogy worked is because you felt the danger, and all of us knew how that movie ended. We all saw the cartoons when we were kids. We all read the books. And there was nothing that was really a surprise other than the way it was presented. But we all still felt for the characters. We all wanted to go on the journey with them, and we all felt like they might die. Even though we knew they weren't going to, there was always that little chance that maybe he might just go off script and do it. You know, because it felt 
like there was something at stake. And a lot of modern movies, right. you don't get that. You Transformers, you have people flying all over the place and whatever. You know, Man of Steel, we won't even talk about Man of Steel. But there's no jeopardy. You don't feel like anybody's right. really in danger because it's you can tell it's all fake. The way it's staged just looks hokey. It's all for visual effect, not for actual emotional effect. But give Spielberg credit where credit is due. Unlike some people, <coughs> he at least came out with a Blu-ray that had, hey, if you liked the CGI uh, walkie-talkie attacking government people, you can watch that version. Or here it is in its original uncut version that you all are like tearing down my $40,000 million mansion to get to. I'm going to give you what you want. So I have to give credit where credit is due. He went, oops, my bad. Here, this is what you want. Here, take it, take it, take it. I'll take the money, but here, take it also. Just just be happy that Disney runs like uh, they are all about merchandise and they're all about making money. So they know there's money in that. So the likeliness of us getting our uncut Star Wars is a lot better now than it was five years ago. Right, which is funny because George Lucas, I'm, I'm going to say three-fourths of Lucas Ranch was purchased by me, according to the way my house is set up. So, I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be like, well, Amanda bought the original VHSs, then she bought the digitally remastered, then she's bought the special edition VHSs, then she's bought the special edition VHSs on widescreen, then she did it again with three versions of the DVD. Hey, maybe I'll just go ahead and get her to this, too. That way she'll be happy and she'll give me even more money because I would have done it. And I was but I never went down that rabbit hole. Like Star Wars, I loved it since I was a kid, and I bought the toys when I was a kid. But I I stopped right before the merchandise started coming out like crazy, so I was lucky. No, <laughs> like I said, I bought at least, uh, if not three fours, at least half of Lucas Ranch. There's like six curio cabinets in my house. That's nothing but Star Wars. There's Star Wars Halloween decorations, the Star Wars Christmas decorations, and the Star Wars Christmas tree. And there's figures and collectibles and movie posters and comic books and you name it. And there's Star Wars something in here. So I'm pretty oh, sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he owes me for like at least a good half of where he lives. <laughs> but and the thing is is I'm not I he they I almost had it because there was the rumor, hey, he's gonna do what Luke what Spielberg did and he's gonna put the original version on the Blu ray and I almost bought it. I almost bought it and I went something's not right. I have a bad feeling about this and I <laughs> waited for somebody else to buy it and sure enough it was not there and I went, You ain't get my money. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, I was like, I will not buy another Star Wars, like episodes four, five, and six. I'm not buying those until they're original versions. Obviously, I will be buying seven. I did enjoy it immensely. I will oh, not be buying I... one, two, or three. Sorry, no. Um, that I have them. They're in. Sil- they're still in their cellophane um, because I have to because I'm a completionist, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed Seven as well. I was pretty happy with that movie. So, as we discussed at length the last time you were here, uh, the se- second from the last time you were here at the studio. It's funny to see how people can just, you could find something of a common nature, and it's like three hours later, oh, so uh, you guys were here to shoot a podcast, right? My bad. <laughs> well, now that you've, got, you've gone down this rabbit hole, you need to come in here sometime with Richard and the guys from UVN, and we need to sit down and just turn on the camera and start talking about Godzilla, Harryhausen. Star Wars and V, 
and just go from there because I could probably talk all day on any of those subjects. So oh, um, don't even get me started on V and my obsession and how happy my very first autograph I ever got was from Richard Hurd who played the Supreme Commander and because he turned out that he he left and became an author and it was just like that's totally awesome. Find this. I really want the V picture. Like your your book's great and all, but I'm here for V. So if you could sign that. And then he goes, so are you a fan? And I lifted up um, my pants leg at the time because I have the symbol that the visitors wore on their uniforms tattooed on my right ankle. Like, that's that's how much of a fan I was because I used to always dream that Diana would capture me and then brand me with that thing when I was little. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this one I'm keeping for my own little human project. That's mine. (laughs) Didn't quite work because they weren't real, but hey, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would have let Diana um, brand me back in the day. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is though you got to remember. Well, I, I'm, when I say I'm 40, I'm actually turning 37. So you actually have six years on me. So in 1983, I was four years old. So I was born in 79. So I was only four years old when that came out, and that's how much of an impact that show alone had on me um, as a kid because I. It, it aired at the age of four, so but that by the time it was over, I was six with the television show and everything, right. and then like it just disappeared and it wasn't there anymore. And I remembered it well enough for another ten years before they brought it out on VHS um, when I was like eighteen, nineteen, and sixteen. I was like, I'm old enough to finally get this tattoo, and I've been dying to have this since I was like five, so I'm getting it. And they're like, well, What is this? I was 10 when I watched that show for the first time, and it was such a significant thing at the time that the teachers were talking about it. And in class, we discussed it every day in class. And the smart teachers figured out ways to tie it into the curriculum. So we went into the Nazi Germany thing, and this is a bunch of fourth and fifth graders. So, And, of course, on the playground, my friends and I are playing, and we're all, everybody wants to be Donovan, and everybody wants to be, you know, like, so it was like going down, like, we're kind of picking sides, and it was so fun, and it was such a significant piece of science fiction, because there was a lot of movies at the time, like Star Wars was huge, of course, but nothing on television had had much of a social impact, and that, because it was a miniseries, because it was on network television, and because of that baby, that and the hybrid baby, just everybody Ooh. was waiting for that to happen. You know, like when that happened, everybody's like, did you see that? And, you know, it looks hokey now to a certain degree. However, at the time, mm-hmm. it was so creepy. Oh, God, yes. And the, the one of the cool things about it is that it really took it to a whole different level, especially with the special effects. The first time you see Diana swallow the guinea pig whole, and then you get the lizard baby. But if you go into um, Out There, Um, there's actually the the second generation book that's actually from the original creator of the first miniseries. And it takes the, yes. And he kind of, and he takes it to a whole different direction than what the second miniseries does. And it's also very interesting if you haven't read it to read it and where it goes. I have not read that. So I will definitely check that out. I didn't know that was released in book form actually. I know they talked about making the series. So I, I own the book and I can let you borrow it. That would be awesome. Because <laughs> I'm a V person, so obviously I, get, I have these things. I get to you share that fandom with no one because I don't have any – I have friends that enjoyed it, but I have no one who's like a fan fan. And I just – I loved it because it didn't treat me like – like when I was a kid and I watched it, I didn't feel like I was watching a kid's – it was, was not catered to me. There were no toys to that. 
unfortunately. <laughs> I wanted them. But they had toys in the show, but they didn't give us I any know. of those. That I drove me crazy. so bad. I and I and when I grew up, I was like, well, they've got to have these toys, and all they had was like the the blonde headed doll where the head pops off and he's a lizard underneath, and it was like the only toy. I'm like, no, where's the Diana figure, and you know, where's all these cool, you know, where's Steven, and then the Michael Donovan and the Julie, and I'm like, why not? Why aren't these figures made? I'm upset. Like exactly. seriously, somebody should go back and go. You know what? We're going to bring this back one more time, and we're going to go back to the original 1980s version, and we're going to make you guys the figures that you wanted. Or somebody could just make the figures now. Like, what are those real popular figures that everybody's the, doing? They, the they have Funko, the Funko. They're, they're, they're not yeah. Funko Pops, but they're the same company that does. Uh, what I forget the company's yeah. name, but yeah, they need to make but those. That needs to happen. They need to make those. I mean, they have Alien, they have Back to the Future, yeah, and all these other ones. They should make some of those. Like, I'm sure Put they would the universe sell right out. now. I am right now. Make them. Do it. I you will you will get my money, and I will buy you a Lucas Ranch as well. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy those in a heartbeat because that's one of those oh, little fandoms that I like. I love to latch onto the things that are kind of forgotten or that aren't mentioned a lot because those are the things that a lot of the time when you come up, you just kind of find them by accident, and they stay with you because of that reason. It actually makes you wonder what happened to because they obviously made the toys for the TV series. What happened to the toys that were in that one episode that you it's got up to on see? eBay right now? <laughs> <laughs> I've already, trust me, I've already looked. I've Google searched for it forever, and I still can't find it. I'd be like, dude, seriously. But what is amazing is eBay does have a lot of the uniforms from the television series online. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that maybe, we should, maybe twice. we should have a maybe we should have you on again and we could just talk all about V. That would be kind of cool. I would be okay with that. <laughs> like I said, anything V, Godzilla, Harryhausen, I am down because those are things that I just love and grown up with. So heck yeah, I, I will nerd out. Oh, I'm totally all about nerding out. Uh, that's the, that's my favorite part of being able to do this is getting to talk to people and getting to know what their interests are because it makes it it's always nice for the guests or the guests to be able to show not only do they do these things within this industry but they are just as big as the nerd as all the fans are oh and that and, and the other thing i didn't mention uh, uh, real quick i love battlestar galactica new and old anything to do with cylon i am down for so and I was just actually uh, like preaching to Melanie about the all of the awesomeness of Battlestar Galactica. So, like that's one of the other things I've carried from my childhood as well because I love yes, the designs of the Cylons. So should I tell you that I actually have an original Battlestar Galactica bed sheets that I got from Richard Hatch himself? Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> that's just I have the original Star Wars bed sheets, but I don't have the Battlestar. Yeah, but it only makes it better because Richard Hatch is like, wait, you're actually yeah. a fan? I was like, yeah, I'm actually a fan. He's like, well, Richard Hatch, remember when I was saying earlier in the show that I actually put together a convention? Yeah. Well, I, I got into conventions in 2001 by my Florida father. Obviously, I have my da- my daddy, but this is my Florida father. This is the older man who took me under his wing and actually taught me everything. That- he made me the nerd that I am today, teach me everything from podcasting to going into shows with um, press passes and interviewing people. And he happens to know Richard Hatch. So he introduced me to him. So when we put on our convention, which was called the Wrath of Khan in Panama City Beach, Florida, Richard came in as a guest um, there. 
And at this point, I had gotten to talk to him a few times. We had, I would call him, a, I wouldn't say he's like a friend of mine, but he is a really good acquaintance. He knows who I am. I know who he is. And he was just like, so your dad, because everybody knows Tim Riley, who actually is a cartoonist as my dad. He goes, so your dad tells me that you're a huge Battlestar Galactica fan. I was like, yeah. He's like, I didn't expect anyone in there, you know, as young as you. And I was like, how old do you think I am? I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm almost like 30. And he's like, oh, you're like, what, 19, 20? I'm like, dude, you're like my favorite person in the world right now. He was like, really, you're that old? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I did bring you a gift. And then he handed me these Battlestar Galactica bed sheets for a twin bed. I'm like, coolest present ever. And I was like, sign it. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. Here we go. I was like, cool. Bed sheets with Richard Hatch's signature. How do I frame this? <laughs> exactly. It's like, don't anybody ever spill anything on my bed sheets? I swear to God, I will kill you because I cannot wash this ever. And Febreze only takes out so much. <laughs> But that is cool that you're a Battlestar Galactica fan. We'll have to talk some Battlestar Galactica. Maybe we have to start a podcast called Geek Week where we just talk about our favorite favorite geek things every episode. I am down. Just let me know. <laughs> Definitely. And, so and we've got um, the space to do it too if you want to do video. So we got the other room. It's at your disposal. <laughs> I'm a, you know me. I'm up for anything. So it is already quarter after eight. My, how the time flies for an hour show. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize it was already quarter after eight, did you? Uh, nope. Uh, I was not looking at the time just because I was like, well, you know, it's, it's always that thing. It's all relative. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's one of the – that's – you know you're having a great time when you're like, oh, my, it's what time? Oh, oops. <laughs> so real quickly to recap. This weekend on February 20th in Dayton, Ohio, is the Independent Creators Expo and Film Festival. Doors open at 10 o'clock. The show ends at 5, but there still be things with the film festival going on, and the award ceremony is also that night at 1130? Uh, about 11, 1130, yes. 11, 1130. And, of course, there's some amazing guests. There's going to be music. There's wonderful comics and art and all sorts of knickknacks and paddywhacks and all sorts of wonderful fun things for people to see and do. And the admission is only $5 with free parking. Yep. Oh, and one real quick thing. Uh, there was one person I forgot to mention while we were talking because you said other unique things. This year um, there is a guy named Eric Smith who is going to be um, debuting an action figure that he made himself um, of a character from – it's actually in line with a robot toy that he made a few years ago called Volkira. And I thought that was really neat. He actually made an ice variant. So if everybody can check him out on Facebook, just type in V-U-L-K-I-R-A and check that out. You can see his robot toy. It's uh, it's kind of in line with the old Shogun Warriors. It's smaller, but it has the same design, and it's a really neat-looking design. And the I action love Shogun Warriors. And the uh, action figure is Ice Blue for the show, and he's going to have those at the show this weekend as well. Do we um, have a price yet? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure uh, what the deal is, but you should go check it out. He's a really nice guy, too. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to go check it out. Maybe you can get him on the show because he's, he's actually a good <laughs> friend of mine. So. I, it's all about the networking, baby, because, oh, somebody get pay, gets paid this Friday, the day before the show. So, well, I'm broke. I didn't have to pay rent, right? You know, that's always dangerous when you guys book your – when you guys have your shows the week I get paid because then I leave the show and then I'm like – 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to tell my boss that uh, payroll messed up because I'm not gonna be able to pay rent now. Yeah. What? It's always a Story good excuse. Payroll, me- payroll messed up. It wasn't me. I didn't spend all my money at a convention. I swear, landlord. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and of course, you know, guys, not only check out Ice, but also check check out Studio Kumikaze. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter. You can check out their websites, um, studiokumikaze.com. Of course, check out Ice. Mainly check out Facebook because most of their stuff they will post on Facebook. So I highly yep. recommend checking them out over there. And, of course, don't forget to be at... ICE, the Independent Creators Expo and Film Festival, this weekend on the 20th. I'll be there. Brandon will be there. And all the amazing people that we told you about will be there as well. It'll be a great time for you and the whole family, so we hope that you all come out. And as always, AGP is every Tuesday night live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And to learn more about AGP, you can follow me over on Twitter at LadyVader79. You can follow me over on Facebook at Amanda Gillen Presents, or go check out the website at AmandaGillenPresents.com. And on that note, stay frosty, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll see you later. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.